Hello, and welcome to the Poolside Polymaths podcast, where we dip our toes into the infinity pool of art and science. Join us, Merit, Monsi, and Marcus, for a deep dive into the creative imagination. And now, here are your hosts. All right. Hi, everybody. Today on, uh, on Poolside Polymaths, we have a, a very special guest. In February, Merit, Monsi, and I participated in the first annual Polymath Festival, during which we had the opportunity to host a panel on musician polymaths. One of the most compelling panelists was an electro-pop singer named Gala. Hailing from Italy, her debut album, Come Into My Life, included the multi-platinum singles Free From Desire, Let A Boy Cry, and Come Into My Life, which reached the top three in music charts across Europe, South America, Russia, and the Middle East. Gala has sold over six million records worldwide. We invited her to the poolside to discuss her creative upbringing, the music industry, and her new project, Parallel Lines, which has a video on YouTube and a song on all major streaming services. So uh, the Polymath Festival was, I think it was the inaugural Polymath Festival, and uh, and it just brought together uh, a lot of people who were living lives that are just relevant to our community in terms of uh, mixing science and art, mixing, uh, mixing just different lifestyles and that are unconventional, how to put those together and how to really make change in the world. Uh, so we want to give you guys a recap of that in case you weren't able to log on and, um, and, and have some of the guests on. So Gala, thank you so much for, for, for coming today. Thank you. Yeah, welcome, welcome. And now to start, like I didn't have a chance to listen to your story during the, the Palmath Festival. And I just love to know, how would you explain that you are um, like a musician? Like, would you like to share about the projects that you're working on currently or the things that you've done during the last couple of years so our audience can get That's a, a huge question. <laughs> That's a, I don't know wh what, which one is the question. Give me one question because there are so many in that. And it's the latest project. How did I become a musician? Well, let's start with that. How did you start as a musician? Um, how did I start as a musician? So I actually uh for sure people ask me often did you know when you were a kid did you already know your passion for sure i did know it is mm -hmm. also true that a lot of people know in their heart what is calling them but they don't maybe they're not allowed to connect with this passion or mm -hmm. uh, you know their parents push them in one direction or another or even in my case my parents let me do whatever i want but i didn't realize because music and dance are not in my family. And so mm -hmm. it was harder to, so I always knew that, that music was my passion uh, without realizing, I wasn't aware of it, but it was clear now that I look back. So for example, my best friend who is still a very good friend of mine and went to kindergarten with me in back in Italy, she told me, you know, what is the first memory I have of you that we were four or five and I came for my first play date outside my house. I went to your, to come to play at your, and you opened the door holding a Beatles record, wow. a Beatles ah. vinyl. <laughs> And at four or five, and then we will put it on the, on the stare, stereo, you say, you call it, right? On the, mm -hmm. yeah. On the, yeah. And we, I don't know if you know that every Beatles vinyl has an apple in the middle. It's a green apple. And on the other side, the apple is cut in two. So you see right. the full apple on one side and on the other Ooh. side, the apple is cut. In two. So for me as a kid, that was like the great excitement that came to look at this apple going around and around and around mm. and around and listening to this unbelievable music. And uh, as my parents were very busy, and I know a lot of 
kids out there or parents that are listening, they know what I'm talking about. So, you know, kids maybe stay at home on their own. The parents are, are, are working. In my case, I didn't have siblings, so I was mm-hmm. an only child. And I really remember thinking that these four voices, the Beatles voices, John Paul and whatever, their, their voices, their music was my best friend. They were like a friend. It was more than I am listening to music. It was just like, these people are talking to me. They're my company. Yeah. They're keeping me company. They're my brothers. At one point, because my father is called Paolo mm-hmm. and, and Paul, which is Paul, right? right. Paolo. Yeah. And I thought, oh, Paul, when I started growing up and going to primary school and I kept listening to the Beatles and start collecting from the records, I thought, Paul was my father when he was younger. Ah. <laughs> like, family. Ah. You know how children, you know how children makes reality and dreams, yeah. you know? And so I thought, oh, that, that was my father's previous life, uh, Paul. He was <laughs> Paul. He had a... So, yeah, music was inside my life, you know, like from the early beginnings. But before I realized that I wanted to become a musician, that I could say it out loud, that I could even mm-hmm. admit it to myself, because it, it's hard when it's not part of your life and your uh, upbringing. It's hard to, you know, say to yourself, this is what I want to do. It's, it's harder than if you're in a family of musicians, for example. Um, but slowly, I said... In the beginning, because my father is an architect uh, mm-hmm. and my mother used to teach uh, art, but in, in middle school. So okay. I said, I, sh- I should do something that belongs to my family. Like if you're a lawyer, you want to become a lawyer because your father is a lawyer or a doctor because your father is a mm-hmm. doctor. So I said, let's stay I'm art- artistic, but within a world that I know where I also can get maybe a job. And so I started studying photography. And at the time, nobody had an iPhone, uh, you know, nobody was taking picture left and right. So if you had, you wanted to be a photographer, you made a choice, you bought a camera. So at yeah. 16, right. 16 years old, my father gave me his uh, Nikon and he said, look, I'll never use it. You, you use it. And so that was an instrument. I said, oh, I have this instrument. It's so magical, you know, uh, I can take photographs. And it was serious with film, you have to develop, etc. So I decided to go to, uh, I, I first, I tried film school in Italy, mm-hmm. a public school. And then I went to, um, to study photography uh, and, and, uh, in New York. And then I realized slowly that all I photographed were musicians and dancers. That's all the, my focus. I like, look, look what my yeah. eyes see. It was like the <laughs> underground, the underground scene in the clubs. Wherever I photographed, there was music. And uh, music, dance, music, dance, DJ, music, dance, etc. So I slowly said, okay, my real path, that's my real passion. And I got tired of photography. I felt not because this is a fact, but for me, photography mm-hmm. was dead because I was like, that's one image of a dancer, but the dancer is moving to the music and that cannot be captured yeah. in a photo. I was going crazy with this concept. I was very philosophical about it. And, um, and then I started uh, taking dance classes, going to the clubs. And then I did an exchange uh-huh. uh, with a DJ. I said, look, I'm going to photograph you for free. I'm going to take pictures of you for free. I'm, you can use them on the cover of your CD or, or whatever record. And, uh, but in exchange, can you let me try and sing on this record? And so I showed him my voice. And then our actual third, third uh, song became a huge hit everywhere in Europe. Right. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> that's a great yeah. story it yeah. is it is a great story it could be a hollywood story 
until there is the 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 the, the there is always then the you know the great part of the movie and then the the climax and then there is like the the problem the problem was that i was young and in in inexperienced and that of course the first record deal was horrible i wrote every melody every lyric of every song with four singles in the top 40s um back in the 90s in europe and south america russia etc and they uh, they they oh, the record label owns all the masters of work that i have done mm-hmm. of even music videos that i shot with mm-hmm. my friends um you know, the first music video of Freed from Desire, which was my big hit. I shot it with my uh, uh, friend from college who studied film and uh, a girl, actually. Freed from Desire was shot by, the, by a female director back in the 90s, which was rare, very right. rare. And uh, it was just my friend from, from college. I said, hey, let's make this video. I've got 700 bucks. Can we do something? And she's like, fuck, yeah, we can't do anything with that money. Just use the money to come yeah. to, hum- to Germany come to Germany and there I have access to my father's production company. We can use 35 millimeter film, which is super high quality at the time. It was like 35 millimeter film. That's how you shoot, you know? And, uh, and we shot this video and I don't own the video. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Wow. I think as, as you were saying, like this being the problem that you were like super young, maybe you were like inexperienced at the time. I think this is the most inspiring part that you, let's say like you had, somehow like nothing only but you're passionate that you wanted to do something yes and the people that are listening to this now they might want to do something similar and they might not yeah. have the funds or but they have a friend in which they can share their dreams with then and then you'll just be like okay like let's see what we can do what comes out of this and then <laughs> my advice would always be to deal with people that you trust and that you like even if they're not maybe the one that makes you feel like you can reach uh, this and that because the mistake when well, it wasn't a mistake at all because mm-hmm. you know you're young and people offer you to sign a record deal you sign it right you want to sign it but when you have such a big project like a big hit mm-hmm. uh, with people that maybe you don't get along with it's 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 very difficult it's like having a child you have a child mm-hmm. you know this is a huge hit now it's being used in the past uh, from 2016, so the past uh, four or five years, it exploded. This song that was a song from the 90s exploded again. And it's now in every stadium, at every soccer game, uh, sometimes a boxing champion like Tyson Fury, who's the boxing ch- worldwide yeah. champion, is using it to, yeah. to yeah. enter the ring, etc. So it's become huge. And if you don't have an understanding of the same vision, same artistic direction, same everything. And something like this happened twice. Not only the first time it becomes a hit and, and no one expected it's a huge hit, but the second yeah. time around after 20 years, again, right. it becomes a big hit. And you are dealing with people that have a different vision from yours or they don't respect your value. They don't, re- it's, it's very, it's very difficult. I mean, yeah. Um, what I would suggest if I could go back, which, you know, it's, it's silly to say because you never should regret and stuff. Everybody makes mistakes at their age and they don't know better, you know. But if I could go back or the way, let's say, the way I operate right now, like, for example, with my latest release, Parallel Lines, with uh, this artist Nina Peli, is just to go by good energy with good people. Doesn't matter the result. Doesn't matter if it will be huge or it just go with what, 
resonates, you know, and with the right people. Yeah, I I resonate with that with that sentiment so much. Yeah, um, it's a uh, it, it's almost like when I think about my creative process, there's a part of me that wants to say, oh, I can go and work with somebody who has this amazing resume or who has uh who has these kinds of credentials or who has these kinds of connections that I feel like I can move forward. But I. Having been through the process, and especially I haven't been in the process with stakes kind of as high as uh, as yours, where it's like you have this this huge hit and you can't really capture the value for yourself from from the hit. But I just know that seeing projects like be really exciting in the beginning and then crash and burn later, mm-hmm. it's like no, you really actually just want to find people who you want to do the work with, who you want to do, who you want to be in the trenches with, who you want to suffer through the hard parts with, mm-hmm. and who you can feel as 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 confident as you can um, aren't going to uh, aren't going to take advantage of you at the end of the day. And once again, if that's not the most famous or the most connected or the wealthiest or the the person with the most access, like that's good um, because like projects that break. Uh, like that's really not fun um and projects that had all the potential in the world and for some reason you can't really get to it that's that's also not fun so i think that's that's really fantastic advice um for anybody who's uh who's figuring it out who's, yeah uh, almost not my opinion it's really almost a rule of the universe just mm. yeah. go for and you know in my case i wasn't even making a deal with the devil i didn't know right i trusted so that is, is not like, oh, well, Gala, you speak like this now, but you had a big hit and you knew these weren't the people for you and you still did. No, no, I did not know. That's a big difference, you know? So I should have trust my intuition. That's another thing you always have to do, trust your intuition. But at the same time, you know, take risk, uh, of course, and defend yourself. I, in my case, was very isolated. I wasn't, it was an age where I was not talking to my parents so much. I was very rebel. Mm. It's my personality. Mm-hmm. I want to do everything on my own and um, very independent, very secretive on my things. I want, And so I kind of did it all by myself. I wasn't really, I didn't have parents that oversee the contracts that I was signing. I was just right. signing a contract by myself, you know, so that I I don't suggest doing that. But right now we are in a new world, a world where you can look up things online on Google. Exactly. Before you Mm -hmm. sign a contract, uh, you know, I I was completely disconnected. I was in my small house in, in Italy by myself, signing with a record label without any advice you know wow yeah so anyway life is as as it's uh, interesting journeys yeah well i wanted there's another point i wanted to touch on and um and this very much came through um at the story at the polymath festival is kind of your sense of rebellion um and how that informed your your art and your yeah. and your process and i feel like um and i feel like that in order to be, in order to, to really live a polymath lifestyle um, and, and to be hyphenate, you kind of have to rebel against the existing structures because they're not set up for that. If you want to do two things really well um, or if you want to pursue interests that don't always overlap, you're going to be kind of um, uh, bracing and buckling against uh, you know, whatever institutions are meant to teach you one thing and you're only supposed to do this and there's a mm-hmm. clear career path. And so, um, but like sometimes being a rebel gets you, gets you kind of in trouble. Um, so it's like, how do you, how do you balance that? Have you like found a way to harness it so it works well or you just deal with it? Yeah. Some people are really exceptional in two different things. Like, uh, I, 
you know, like, I don't know, they get a, a Grammy and they get an Oscar. Like, they're, yeah. I don't know, both they are doing. I mean, but generally speaking, it is true uh, that besides those rare exceptions, uh, it is true that if you're a surgeon and you dedicate your life in only doing I don't know, cancer surgery, you're probably more sought after um, because you're a specialist. You know, this is the society, are you a specialist in this? And if you start doing maybe more of other surgery, I, I understand. And so it is true that maybe, let's say, if I only did ballet, 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 I would be a better ballet dancer. Me, mm -hmm. I have a completely, completely different approach since I'm a kid. I, I... For example, uh, in New York, uh, where I lived for the past uh, 30 years, I take dance class every day, right? Mm. Every yeah. day I try different styles of dance. Uh, so I'm always, nice. the wor I'm always the worst in the class, not the worst, but the, the medium. I never excel, to be honest, me personally in any, I'm not a perfect ballet dancer, I'm not a hip hop dancer, I'm not an African dancer. I take classes in everything, but I feel that I'm a more complete dancer because I try all yeah. these styles. Mm -hmm. So in class, I'm not the one you will look at as like, oh, she knows the choreography, she's got it down. But personally, when I go home, I'm like, wow, that was interesting that I've learned from ballet. I, I learned this from African. And I've, so it's a different journey. It's, it's a one that it's not evident to the others. You, you're not going to get a clap. Like people are not going to clap because you're not the, the one in the front at the hip hop class. But the day before I took ballet, the day after I'm taking tap and tango, and I feel I'm, I'm an enriched dancer, you know? So it's mm -hmm. a personal journey that you're happy with when you go home. And it, you have to be very strong to uh, not want the approval, like not care about approval mm -hmm. and do it for yourself. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that there are unbelievable dancers who can do top ballet dancer and top African dancer. And, and I know many of them. They're exceptional. They're amazing. And they're professional, often professional dancers. I'm not even a professional dancer. I do it as a passion on the side. So, so that's a different story. Of course, there are people who can do, you know, ballet, contemporary and, and African dance exceptionally. There are. But in my case, I had to choose. Do I let go of approval and do it for myself or do you do it to be the, the, the good student in the front, you know? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing advice, like being brave enough to not be the best in the room and being in a position where you're learning from all the other uh, dancers around you. Yeah, I walk yeah. and I go straight to the back and I'm like learning. Then if I feel I'm good, <laughs> uh, I, I go in the middle. And sometimes in some class I can go in the front because by now I yeah. know the class, you know. Yeah. No ego, zero ego, right. zero <laughs> ego. <laughs> so important. Also because by now I'm the oldest also in the class. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Most experienced. Yes. Right. So, um, so you mentioned that you have a uh, you have a new release coming out. So I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about that. Yeah, it was. Um, it's a song I wrote uh, a few years ago, and um, and it has a long journey because I wrote and I'm like, wow, this is a completely different style from anything that I do. It's it's, but it was beautiful and I liked it. And I say I want to make a video, and then 
I had a sort of long adventures that this video didn't, like I contacted an unbelievable dancer. Uh, to me, he's like the, the, the promise of contemporary dance. Mm. And he knew me, he grew up on my music in Brazil. And he said, yes, I want to do the video. Let's meet in Holland. We met in Holland. He paid for his own train. He came, we met. And I involved this photographer. I said, well, because he was a photographer, he never recorded a, a music video before. He might um, help me with budget because I had no budget. Everybody was coming for free. Uh, it was a collaboration where I say, look, uh, the dancers come because he wants to do something different than his usual, you know, uh, stuff. The, the photographer because he never shot the music video, he was more of a photographer. It was a challenge for him to... So it, everybody yeah. was excited about something. And we met. We shot for two days. And then this, this artist, the photographer, who evidently was not too balanced and uh, was a little mad, he disappeared with the footage. Oh. He disappeared mm. with the footage and didn't want to give us the footage because... Uh, we wanted to edit it in a certain way. Uh, we are dancers. I mean, I take dance classes all my life since I'm four. And this guy is a top beyond dancer. Like, in, like he's, he's one of the best dancers I've ever seen. And, uh, and uh, we know dance. So we said, hey, we realize that, um, you know, your approach is more visual, but it's important for us to see the whole movement. You know, the, you know we had a, a dancer's approach. And... Yeah. Ego, talking about ego, ego came first for this guy and he just disappeared. And because there was no, nothing in, nothing signed because we came, we did it for free and we was out of friendship, out of love. Yeah. At least that's what me and the dancer thought. It was a love project, uh, you know, like instead. No. So I got a little depressed and I, I'm sharing this story because I want people to understand that when you see something online, a beautiful video, a beautiful project, a beautiful song, it's promoted and then you're like, Oh, you know, this is a perfect thing. No, it comes with a lot of work, a lot of trouble, a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, you know, in the stone you cut and then, uh, you know, you, 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 how to say, I can't, I don't have the words in English, but you cut the stone and then there is a diamond, you know, like mm -hmm. you have to really yeah, yeah dig and, and work. So anyway, uh, I got really depressed. I left because I was uh, I was mortified with the dancer. The dancer is an exceptional dancer, and I felt mortified that I couldn't. So, fortunately, I was able to introduce him to an unbelievable choreographer that he wanted to meet. So I felt I got back to him with something, right? Right. And I put him in contact with a, a friend of mine who he admires a lot. And then I said, "I'll oh, forget it." Then after a year, I said, "Okay." I'm going to contact my friend uh, in Israel. He's there during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, I want to release this song during the pandemic because it's going to talk to people. It talks about yeah. uh, the relationship between two people living under the same roof and becoming parallel lines because they're living under the same roof, but they don't communicate anymore. And I thought this mm -hmm. would really... Uh, reach people during the pandemic because a lot of my friends had problems within their couples during the pandemic and mm -hmm. a lot of some people were divorcing other people had you know so I was like oh this is a perfect time so I contacted my friend in Israel and he said yeah I'm gonna shoot some roads in the desert and and then he called me back after six months he said sorry I don't have the time to do this with the pandemic it's been very difficult and once again it didn't go through in mm -hmm. the meantime in all these five years 
I've been in contact and I've been talking on Zoom and, and uh, in general with this amazing artist. So I've been, I, I met, con contacted her five years ago and we started a friendship. And we started this friendship uh, because I saw her TED Talk and I saw her yeah. animation movie called Sita Sings the Blues. And I was blown away, blown away. And I wrote her a long letter. I told her my whole story. And she answered me. She answered, I never answer this type of email, but your song touched me and I, I really like this. And we started to become friends. I was so yeah. excited because I admire her. And this, usually these things don't really work out, you know, because you come from nowhere and people cannot trust you. It's, it's difficult to just trust somebody. But I had... I also had my background, but she didn't actually see my big success with Riffin of Desire. I did not share that. I really wrote a personal letter. So actually she found out my, about my big success lately, which is, I, I didn't even know. I thought, oh, she, she saw what I do. She actually didn't realize I, I've been like a, a pop star in, 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 in <laughs> Europe, kind of, not, yeah. re not, not really a pop star, but, but you know, I've been, I've been on television. Of course, you are. So, I, I know, whatever. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> Nina and I started talking. I said, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask Nina. Because when I contacted her four years earlier, she wanted to do the project, but she didn't have time. There was problems. So yeah. I said, I'm going to call her again and try to do this for this new song, Parallel mm -hmm. Lines. So I, I played it to her. She's like, she loved it even more than the first one I proposed to her. And we, I said, look, I, I'm not, I mean, I'm an independent artist because people don't understand this. I had a big hit, but as, as I explained to you before, Mm -hmm. as a first contract that was not a favorable contract so yeah. i am not i'm not drinking martini on an uh, caribbean island <laughs> i am actually <laughs> fighting i have been an independent artist with no budget since 1998 wow okay yeah. so 2000 so from 2000 so i've always been on my own and i'm i am a self self-producing um, and, and investing in my own projects. So that's very difficult. As a female artist, unsigned female artist, I've been in the business for 20 years. That, for me, is in itself the revolution. Mm -hmm. Just yeah. being in the business. Yeah. You are, I'm, not, I'm not Beyonce. I'm not Madonna. I don't have uh, 200 people in my team. I'm not Coca-Cola. I'm not Sprite. I'm not, I am homemade lemonade. So... How do you keep in the, like, you can keep in the business as an independent artist when you look fabulous at 20 years old uh, and uh, you are, you know, making music with your uh, pals from high school that don't have to pay the rent yet. And, you know, but then life becomes harder and harder and harder. Yeah. And then you also set up a certain standard. You cannot go to radio station with a, a little track you made in your room. You know, you're dealing with, you know, if you're competing on the radio with people who have been mixed and mastered, uh, their, their, their track has been mixed in the best studios, mastered in the best studios. It is true that people are making music in their houses with a laptop, no, no doubt. But when it comes to go to main radio, you got to have a product that sounds right, right? So... Yeah. And, pro and promoted right and with the support. So to be an independent artist as a woman, why as a woman? Because trust me, 
it's very difficult. This is a whole new conversation. It should take another podcast. People keep saying, oh, but there's full of women in the music business. Look, Kesha, Britney. No, if you actually go in and make do your math, which you don't need to do. You can just go straight to uh, the Annenberg studies that came out last year on women in music. You go and check the numbers. The numbers are still ridiculous. You know, they're very, very low. Things have changed this year, actually, after the Annenberg studies came out in 2019 and revealed the, the craziness of the numbers of women writers in the top 100 billboards charts and women artists, women touring, the numbers were so low. Besides the big stars, of course, the, we're talking about the usual big names, but the, the masses of like independent female artists that they're not there. And uh, also women writers behind big records. So if there is, let's say, a Kesha album, or not cash, I want to say anything, Beyonce's records of five years ago, uh, or Britney Spears' record of whatever, you're going to look, who are the writers? Who are the musicians? Who are the producer, the mixing engineer, the mastering engineer? 85%, if not 90%, they're men. Mm. Right. So that right. is the music business, not, yeah. the, not the poster child, not that one woman. So the Beyonce team or the Kesha team or the Britney Spears team are one female singer looking amazing in the front and 100 to 200 men in the back. So those men are getting, are paying their families, uh, the rent they're paying. That is the music business. What is the music business? It's not five female singers. You know what I mean? Right. Yes. Right. So to, yeah. be, a, to be a woman in the music business, you, you should have opportunities of all levels, not just to be the star, because that's a big, a big, it's like winning the lottery, but you should have the opportunity to be a mixing engineer, a mastering engineer, mm. a producer, a co-producer, a co-writer. And those opportunities are coming out right now. But in the 90s, forget it. 2000s, right. super hard. Uh, up until literally 2019, the numbers were ridiculous, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. To me, being a woman in the music business is, is really the revolution. I completely digress. <laughs> sorry. All good. No, I'm sorry because I didn't wrap up this question that you asked me about yeah. Nina. So after a few years, uh, I, I reconnected with her and I said, look, there is this song and uh, it, had, it has been a very um, troubled journey, but it, it is really the time for, I think this is the time. It was just the right time. And when it's the right time, somehow everything happens and, and fits. Yeah. It, it, it almost, looking back, I don't believe so much in this type of philosophy of life, like everything happens for a reason. I'm not really in that type of, uh, I don't believe in that so much. But in this case, I kind of thought, wow, in a way, it was meant to happen this way. Or if it wasn't meant to happen, it just ended up being the perfect collaboration on the perfect song. It just came out so beautiful, so um, delicate, so wonderful. Like her sensitivity matched perfectly this song. And, uh, and the project is coming out today. It's on YouTube. Um, uh, you can find it on YouTube. You can find it on my website, Gala, uh, Gala Official. Uh, and then uh, you can find it on my Instagram, Gala Official page. 
And I, want, I, I wanted to share this particular song and video right now because of, also of the theme of the parallel lines. We are all, not just within our houses, we might had, you know, become parallel lines under the same roof because of the situation, yeah. but also we're all parallel, we're all connected, but separate. And so I thought it was a a perfect um, time to release this song. Yeah, it sounds great, Gala. And you know, I think that we'd love to even like dig deeper on the, like being a woman on, on the music industry. You know, I created a company, Matriarchy Records in 2005. And back in 2005, yeah. wh when I talked about, it's my record label and it's basically me, but it's me hiring people. And the goal yeah. of Matriarchy Records was And I tell you, this was 2005 when nobody was talking about this. So it was really revolutionary because I remember going to uh, lawyers and say, Matriarchy Records, I want to hire women. I want to make records made by women, mixed by women, mastered by women, written by women. And someone asked me, is that legal? Can you actually do that legally? Can you just hire women to work in your company? Is that legal? And I'm like, Wait a second. For like a hundred years, every record label were only men. Was that yeah. legal? Right. You know, unbelievable. <laughs> it was like, you know, that's ridiculous. But just to tell you what type of resistance I encountered back in 2005. And now, of course, it's the trend. There is Alicia Keys, which she is the music. There is a, she said so organization in, in Europe, all women connecting. So now it's, I would say it's the trend and it's a good trend. It's the future and uh, women after the Annenberg studies that I talked about uh, before, which are basically just Annenberg studies on women in music. It's a study that gives you the numbers, just the numbers. How many women in the top 100 billboard charts as writers? How many women touring? How many women? Just numbers, numbers. So you can't have an opinion. You can't, because I go to all these yeah. like dinner party, dinner parties and they're like, oh, you, you had a big hit and you're bitter because you did. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm say since 2005, I was trying to communicate to the people around me in the music business and not in the music business that I was encountering. It was like it climbing a mountain. It was impossible. And in the same exact situation, Uh, if I was a guy in the same exact situations, I would have had a completely different uh, um, uh, result. Most women and most people would say, and I saw that around me, a lot of friends are like, I just decided the music business, I, give, I, was, ah, I just decided I'm more interested in making cakes and having kids and do this and do that. And I have no doubts that interest change, but a passion is a passion. And I'm like, are you sure that is your choice? How much of that choice? And what helped me is knowing these numbers. Because when you know, when you know that on 100 writers signed to a publisher, 12 are women, then you know that maybe it's not you. The problem is that these are yeah. the numbers. This is the trend. This is the average reaction to a woman writer, not to mention when you're a woman over 40. So we are talking about you're going to the meeting and you're not in a miniskirt or you're not uh, uh, the, 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 the guy who's uh, like my last, I, I just give you a real example. My last yeah. meeting in Paris, top publisher, bringing amazing songs, all sorts, from Afrobeat to acoustic, amazing project with Nina Paley. I had 
amazing musicians telling me this is a real quality project, like quality yeah. video, quality music. Uh, I bring in songs that are mixed by the top uh, mixers, mastered by the, like I, really quality products. And then I have my cast in France. In France, I had a, a diamond record, you know, like <laughs> not even a golden platinum, a diamond record. So I have a past of people know I can write hits. I'm not saying I want a record deal that I, I'm not even aiming at that. I'm just saying a publishing deal as a writer, a writer yes. for other it, The comment of the guy was, yeah, good music. Ah, then he looked at me. I absolutely saw his eyes looking at my décolleté. We are in France, so that's okay. I get it. It's also cultural, and I'm used to it because I'm Italian. And then he's like, ah, and you still, still look good. That, that is the meeting. He's trying to, oh, and you still what? look good. So it is whatever you tell me, in that meeting, he was looking at me as a woman over 40. Do I still look good? It doesn't matter. I say, just focus on the music, man. Just, I'm a, if you sign me as a writer, you shouldn't even care how I look, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Oh, wow. I live in Paris now. I hear my song two times, three times a week in the street wow. somewhere. Yeah. Meaning it's, it's a, and I still, Here's still, the, the guys did not even answer my email mm. meaning it's a difficult business in general and i have guys friends who are male handsome and young and talented who have the same difficulties i'm not telling you that guys don't have difficulties in the music business forget it they do it's a difficult business however try do it as a female over 40, and now you might hear, oh, imagine being a black female in the music business. Funny enough, the numbers of the Annenberg study actually showed that among the writers and artists of that small percentage that we are in is actually 60% is black. So a little more of female, yeah. female black female artists. So in that sense, it's not so bad for, for the black, black women community. And, but for women in general, it's bad. Black and white, we are a 12% writer. In the 90s, when I was writing, we were 6% of right. female writers signed to, uh, let's say, a PRS, which is the ASCAP uh, correspondent in England. 6% of female writers back in the 90s when I was writing. 6%. That's nothing. Mm, right. Nothing. Yeah. And people, people tell me now, but Gala, you have a certain age. Why, you, don't you want to write for artists instead of like being in the front? First of all, why? Why should I only not be in the front? Because I don't think the Rolling Stone had that problem to show their face. Nope. Yeah, he didn't they question that. They over, over 30. And uh, the other day I was walking down the street in the village in New York, New York, 220. And I made a video that I posted yeah. on my Instagram stories. And it, in, the, in, the, in the shop window, it was a newsstand, new uh, uh, kind of a shop that sells magazines. There were mm -hmm. about um, 20 magazines, eight magazines had in the, uh, music magazines had on the cover 
a man over 40, over, over 50, a man over 40, over 50, dressed, dressed up with a scarf. The more dressed, the better. So you had the guy from The Cure, the guy, Prince, whom we adore, uh, mm -hmm. so he's excused. Uh, uh, <laughs> everybody, no, so many others. And they were all men on the cover of like Rolling Stone, Tracks Magazine, all these magazines. And they were all men over 40 dressed. And then there were two covers who had Miley Cyrus and Dua Lipa on the cover. Miley Cyrus was naked, holding her breast the naked, and it looked yeah. like a playboy. And Dua Lipa was in underwear covering her with her hands, her nipples. And he was like, wow, it's 2021. And we still have... The contrast. The contrast was ridiculous. It was two girls against eight boys and two girls are completely naked under 30 or 30. And the guys are over 45 and totally dressed. Yeah. And, and I was like, really? I thought the world has changed. You know, meaning it's still a little bit that that is the game, you know? Yeah, and, and just like looking at that, like let's say that the window when everyone passes, just imagine like how many little girls like walk past by that that wish to be musicians when they grow up. And then what they see when they, what they see like on the media is like, like maybe they don't feel comfortable wearing or not wearing clothes or, or the way that they see them. They don't see themselves in someone that they might uh, admire. I mean, not saying that Dua Lipa's music or Miley Cyrus' music are, I mean, I really, I, I love their, their music, but they, they don't feel themselves represented in what they see. So it's even more difficult to imagine yourself being in that medium. In the, I, I mean, that's one of the reasons why that percentage is so small. Like you can't see yourself out there. So how do you know that it's going to be possible for you, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. It's, and it's subtle. It just, uh, it's subtle. It enters your mind without you noticing. It's just uh, yeah. you have to be beautiful. You have to be skinny. Uh, more importantly, young and skinny. Like, you know, with few exceptions, like Lizzo. Uh, also, Lizzo is black, so it's a different perception. Uh, mm -hmm. Not so many overweight, white. Uh, Adele had it for a minute. She was a big woman who could sing, but... Yeah, there aren't, there aren't many spots, huh? The, tr the trend is be young, be very sexy. Even if you're not the traditional pretty, like Lady Gaga is not traditionally pretty, but she's a beautiful woman. I don't even understand yeah. what people say. I don't care. To me, we, I don't even see that. I don't care. But let's say not traditionally pretty, but still you got to be skinny and sexy, sexy, sexy. Please be sexy. Like objectified, right? Like and by the you're... way, I love mm -hmm. sex and sexy and, and music is sexy. And, but I would like to have that freedom, the freedom to choose if I want to be sexy. Like the maximum freedom to me is being a man and you can be as sexy as Prince. Why? Because men are being just like, dudes they wear jeans and they wear a jacket and they kind of not even clean their hand and they're out there singing uh their songs no problem like i don't know i'm thinking about that guy what's his name that is always in the top charts uh, uh maroon five the guy yeah no wears a t-shirt and a pair of jeans and he's the greatest coolest guy on earth because he's, he doesn't do much right 
I know that they do a lot. There is a stylist behind that broken jeans. That white t-shirt is not a Gap t-shirt, is a $200 white t-shirt. So I've seen the backstage of looking that simple is not that simple. But at the same time, the guy wakes up, washes his face, he's ready for an interview, right? So Lady Gaga is not ready for an interview in two minutes. <laughs> like she has hours. to do... Yeah. And, and yeah, I, a lot. I, and I'm sure she says it's my choice, but is it really? Oh, is it completely? And, you know, the, the average dude, let's say the uh, Maroon 5 dude is the straight guy. So now, if I was born a guy and I had the freedom to be the guy from Maroon 5, then it will be exciting to be Prince. Oh, I'm going to wear a thong and a boa and be naked on stage. And that is so hot and amazing and freeing. But as a woman... That's not as freeing because you have to do it. You know, it's very different. Listening to your perspective, I mean, I'm not personally a musician, so maybe I don't understand the same way that you, but just like trying to figure out as in having, comparing it to having the choices, right? Like there are just so many choices or as little choices as you, as you have as a female artist uh, that from what you have in there, like the few options, you have to pick one. And maybe like being um, a male white person artists it's just a, a little bit well way less complicated because of all the different options and all the different styles that you can get and to the way that the stage is put is for you to just like thrive it's 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 what we're used to seeing so it's more comfortable also you know i definitely talked to you about a world between the 90s when i had my big hit and today And mm -hmm. the world is changed. In this last Grammys, there were way more women. Uh, actually, the first Grammy where you really had a, a, a heavy amount of women getting uh, recognized was the last one. So, mm -hmm. and the study, the 2019 Annenberg studies, uh, up until 2019, it, wasn't, it didn't look good. And I was surprised. I thought things were much better. Why? Why did I think that? Because if you live in the pop culture, you read magazines, it's all about the new top 10 female DJs. It's all female, female, female. But you don't, don't listen to that. You go and look at the numbers. You understand? The numbers is what are going to tell you the truth. You understand? So, of course, there are many. For example, I'll give you an example, Marcus, about the other Marcus who introduced us, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I called him and I said, Marcus, there is an article about the top new up-and-coming 20 female DJs. I look at the first one. She lives in LA. Can we contact her? Do you maybe know her? And Marcus answered me. So in the article, she appeared at the number one in the 20 list, in the list of 20 female artists, uh, female DJs up-and-coming. And Marcus like, funny, funny that you asked me. I just met her at a party. And she told me that she just quit because the, the, the environment is too chauvinist. Wow. She was wow. number one wow. in the article. And that's how articles are bullshit. Why is there an article about it? Because it's a news. Why it's a news? Because it's rare. Oh, the top 10 is so cool. Female DJ. Why is it a news? Because if you go on the 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 djmag.com and you look at the past 20 years of the top 100 DJs that are making millions okay the top the top like David Guetta 
uh, Diplo, uh, the big DJs, right? Mm-hmm. The guy, when I met you in the summer, that guy, Calvin Harris, yeah. Calvin Harris, all the big ones, the big ones. The first top 10 are the ones that are making the big, big money, right? In the last 20 years on DJ Mac, top 100 DJs of the year, they're only men. Only men. So, of course, there is a cool article about the up-and-coming female, but are they in the top 10 DJ mag, uh, the, the, the DJ who are making the most touring and money? No, they're never up there. Never. I'm sure, Marcus, you understand me because it's, that's the same conversation that happened with black people in America. It's, it's you know, it's the, it's the same, but it's, it's a different conversation, but it's similar. Yeah, the 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 music, the way the music industry plays out along racial and gender lines is something I I actually spend a fair amount of time um, discussing. My one of my uh, favorite gigs was I played for uh, a, uh, a twice Grammy nominated uh, jazz singer named Jasmia Horn, um, who's still a, a, a dear friend of mine. And you know, being on tour with her, being on the road with her, I watched kind of up close how situations would play out. Um, in subtle ways, and then seeing how those kind of subtle situations, the interaction at the airport, um, uh, uh, a kind of back and forth with uh, somebody who's kind of like our handler in, in going to a different country, how that would then affect um, affect her ability to perform, affect her like worldview outlook, affect her energy level, you know, because touring is kind of brutal work. You know, we might be in a city for less than 24 hours and a lot of that is going to be spent in an airport and in a, and in a tour bus and, and, you know, things like that. And, and just like watching, watching how that plays out. I think the, the comment you made about um, the amount of time needed to get ready and prepare, that's, that's like extremely well taken. Um, You know, she she makes all of her clothes and she's very stylized and she's very particular about um, the the jewelry and the accessories and how she how her whole presentation looks in a way that um, male artists have kind of like a set it and forget it feature. Like we can just be like, all right, we got like our three tour suits. Good. Done. And like, that's it. And then um, and. And, uh, and, you know, in terms of in, in jazz, depending on the band, there's a, there's a higher bar. You can't just come out in distressed jeans and a t-shirt. Like that's not really a thing. Um, but it's certainly far less work to, to prepare, um, prepare visually for the gig. And if you consider that, you know, she's on a level musically, that's, um, like nobody's giving her a handout in terms of her musicianship. Like she will, she will outsing like anybody, male or female. She will even out like she'll take better solos than horn players. Like horn players, like if you play a saxophone where that's usually your domain, you gotta watch out if you're on stage with her because she might, she might, she might pipe you in um in the in 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 the parlance of of jazz musicians. And so you know she has to have all of that together at our same level as well as have to have a distinct a distinctive and clean and effective look as well as just kind of the necessities of of makeup as well as poise and like certain things being on let's say and you're talking about the jazz world which is yeah. like i mean where people are relaxed i mean i'm talking about the pop yeah it's a whole different thing that's a div like and you still notice you know they used to say Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, right? Mm-hmm. Ginger Rogers did everything that Fred Astaire did, but backwards and on high heels. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, when they used to dance, she's right. doing every same step, but she's going backwards and on high heels. If you, 
I, it's such a metaphor when you look at Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire is the star. And then you see Ginger Rogers doing the exact same thing on high heels. It's like, how did she do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's just a metaphor. It's just a metaphor. But that high heel, it's like that, that extra few inches of difficulties, you know? Well, no, yeah. I mean, I, I have no desire to like try redoing my life in high heels. I give that up. And when Prince does it, when you say like Prince has more freedom, I know I don't want to try that. I don't want to wear a thong in high heels on stage. I'm good. It's like, fine. I'm good with my scarf. By the way, it was, by the way, it was part, they say, it was part of it, the problem when he died that he was taking all these pills because of his knees dancing on high heels for oh, yeah? so many years. He was wow. taking these pills to, for the pain uh... of his knees. Anyway, so Parallel Lines. Everybody go out and check out yes. the Parallel Lines video. Check it out on uh, Spotify, YouTube. Um, really exciting project coming. It from, will shock uh, you Gala. because after all this conversation, so power, so angry, so bad, the family. Then you look at Parallel Lines. It's such a delicate, loving song. It's right. so sweet. It's a completely different energy from what we discussed. Right. But you know, that's that, that's the beautiful thing is that as artists, we have we have that much in us. We have that depth. We have that range. Yes. Um, that we can that we can rail against what we feel is unjust, as well as um, express tenderness. Like we, it doesn't the, the whole world isn't isn't cynical. Yes. It doesn't have to be, and that's one of the beautiful things. Exactly. Yeah. I love how you like now that we've passed like onto the second part of the conversation. Like all of this, um, like powerful um, team members like putting together that that video. And now what you were saying is just like it's a, like a very sweet video. It's like it's not like this whole team because of all of these feelings were able to put this um love into a project that will connect with others and in the future like as they start listening to it that'll also be like oh like all of these amazing women put together this piece of music that i connected with and hopefully that well i am sure that this will inspire even like more women and girls and like even like men and boys to just like be part of of a music industry in which everyone is is equal and can be as powerful and as loud and at the same time being as lovely and as sweet as in the video yes beautiful um any final thoughts um thank you for inviting me thank you for coming it's so cool that you're in mexico you're in harlem i mean in the lower side, it's so it, there is a positive aspect to this pandemic, this connecting with people everywhere. Yeah. And also, there is a, a kind of a feeling of um, more intimacy, desire to speak the truth. I have had such wonderful conversations with people during this year because people are thrown off from their regular, like their normality. So they're a bit fragile and, and, um, more open to share the truth somehow and um i think this is my first podcast i'm excited ah yay wonderful (laughs) what an honor (laughs) to have you here yeah and as you're saying like being true to ourselves and uh, this pandemic has really brought the best in in many people so i think let's let's keep on inspiring others and thank you so much for sharing your story with us and I am sure that people will be thrilled to listen what's behind all of the amazing things that you put out there and all of the creative side. Like, wh- why did that come? Like, what? why did that uh, just, like, exist? So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank yeah. you. All right. Thank you so much, Gala. Bye. And thanks for coming.
We'd like to take a moment to thank you, the listener, for joining us on this week's episode of the Poolside Polymaths podcast. A big thank you goes to our writers and our production team, Matt, Trish, Pavan, Louis, and Flavio. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at SciArtParty. For more content on the topics covered in this episode, check out our website, www.SciArtParty.com. Make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to your favorite podcasts and join us next time for more conversations by the poolside. I'm not Coca-Cola, I'm not Sprite, I'm not, I am homemade lemonade. She's got it down.